Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Three, two, one. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. It's bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Yes, indeed. Bonus time. All right. We're going to be presenting this. I don't know when, but we're talking about it now. Friday, July 12th. And our two guests, two all-star guests in the studio, I will allow each to introduce her or himself, starting with guest number one. The her. The her. <laughs> the her. Hi, I'm Senator Toy Hutchinson, 40th District and frequent guest and admirer of the Ben Jarowski Show. Woo! That is very good. This is Terry Cosgrove, president and CEO of Personal Pack and a great admirer of the Ben Jarowski Show and sometimes Ben, Aww. too. <laughs> All right, and I was just, before we went on the air, uh, both Toy and Terry have been my guests many, many times. Uh, in fact, they've been on my guests together at times. Uh, and uh, the way I generally work it with Toy and Terry, uh, since they love to talk, I generally throw the question out, let them talk. Uh, and sometimes they just start, keep talking, and that's that's fine with me because uh, I learn a lot from listening to them. Uh, but uh, so I'm going to start by saying something to Terry Cosgrove that he's going to love to hear. And I'm just going to say it right now because he's sitting here. And I've said it on the air before, but I'm going to say it in front of him. I don't know if I said it to you directly, but you were right. And I was wrong about J.B. Pritzker. OK, can I just get it out there? Apology accepted. Gracefully. I, I second I that. OK, I second that. you were right. And I was wrong. The man uh, did very well for himself, in my humble opinion, uh, in uh, his uh, first. Uh, what is his term or first uh, assembly whatever it is as uh, governor and I have a lot of issues with the gambling bill but I'm going to put that to the side and just say Blame you toy. were right and I was wrong um, so but this uh, I have to I do want to ask you guys this question and get your thoughts on this speaking of J.B. Pritzker uh, we talked about this a lot uh, this week on the show the state fair uh, in Illinois. There was a band scheduled to play. I believe they're called Confederate Railroad. Uh, the state had signed a contract with them to play at the state fair. And it turned out that they have uh, the Confederate flag in the backdrop of their uh, logo. And J.B. Pritzker said, nope, uh, you're not going to perform on stage without me being governor in the state of Illinois. And so CEO wouldn't want to be. Uh, I believe he refunded their money. I mean, he was good on that mm -hmm. part of it. Uh, Toy Hutchinson, your thought on that? I, I was like, way to go. I find it very interesting when, whenever there's a lot of angst and consternation about offending people who, who have no problems offending me. So I, so when I see that flag, you know, I was born in Nashville, Tennessee. My family's all from Nashville, Tennessee. So the Confederate flag says something very specific to me. Now, I also recognize that if you go out and you wave like a Nazi swastika someplace, that's that's not appropriate. It's not toler It's not tolerated. There'd be there'd be all kinds of folks, you know, saying, you know, can you should condemn that. And I'm waiting to condemn that. But I'm expected to feel sorry for people who feel no compunction whatsoever as to acknowledging what that flag symbolizes to me. Mm -hmm. And so for that, um, I say a hearty thank you to the governor that I serve under in the state that I live for a state fair that should never be invoking any of those things because the state fair is supposed to be welcoming to everybody. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be a really fun place to bring your family and your children. You're supposed to get pork chops on a stick and a butter cow <laughs> and you're supposed to get pork lemon, le lemon, you know, those are the, you're right for the pigs that didn't do well in the county fair the day, you know, the day before they end up pork chops on a stick. So it's like, I, that's, that's what the state fair is supposed to be about. It is not supposed to be about it. That if, and if there, if that's what was playing, I wouldn't feel comfortable going and I wouldn't bring my children going and I would be, and I'd be, you know, and I know what it's like to go to parts of the state where it's still dangerous for me to go. And that's a real thing. It's just a real thing. So I'm, you know, sorry, not sorry. Well, uh, I agree with you. That was the, the opinions that I was uh, 
not as articulate as you, but I was uh, espousing them the other day, and immediately there was a counter opinion, uh, and I believe it's by a colleague of yours in the state senate, and I can't remember the person's name, mm-hmm. uh, who said it was a Republican, a person of the Republican, Representative Tim Butler, a person of the Republican persuasion, mm-hmm. as I like to say, and he, I think it was a he, said, "Oh yeah, toy." Well, wasn't really addressing mm-hmm. you. What about Snoop Dogg? Why are we letting Snoop Dogg play at the uh, the state fair? He was right, and I loved the response. Did you hear the response to that? <laughs> One of the responses was, "Okay, you cannot like Snoop Dogg's music. You cannot like cannabis. You cannot like people partying. You cannot talk. You cannot like for some reason hip hop makes you mad or any of that. You can have any of those things. He's not a symbol of rape and murder and slavery. He's not a symbol of that. That Confederate flag is the symbol of." treason against the United States. It was states that said, we do, we want to secede from the union. And, and this is a response to our president at the time saying a union, a house divided cannot stand. So they created their own flag and they created their own thing and they went to war against their own country. That's what that flag stands for. So I don't care how you feel about Snoop Dogg. It's a false <laughs> equivalency. And we're not yeah. about to do this false equivalent, like the what about is and like, well, if you do this, well, what about that? If you do this, what about that? I'm going to say this. Snoop Dogg is not a symbol for the subjugation and the enslavement of an entire race of people. And I'm going to just drop the mic on that. I have nothing else to say about that. And anybody that said, you know, and I get free speech and I get, you know, like if you go to places in the South still, they'll say they don't even call it the Civil War. They call it the War of Northern Aggression. Yeah. Well, for people who live for 400 years under Southern Aggression. Mm hmm. I don't like that flag. Yeah. And I'm really glad that I had a governor that was willing to say it and was willing to say it even though it was not an easy, it may not have been an easy thing to say, but clearly for him, it's not hard. So I like that. And we'll move on to uh, reproductive rights in a bit, but I just, you you mentioned something that has really been on my mind. I can listen to Toy all day, so you don't have to. No, and and this is really on my (laughs) mind, Toy. I may have said this to you in the past. I don't know. I just wrote about this for the readers. Really on my mind. The game that Republicans and conservatives play when it become when it comes to political correctness. Now follow me what I'm about to mm-hmm. tell you. If a liberal criticizes a band like the Confederate Railroad for putting a flag, the Republicans and the conservatives say those liberals, they're so they have rules their of political correctness are so confining they just won't listen to us. They won't allow us to express ourselves. They're so insensitive. They can't handle any opinion that's different than their own. All right? That's what they say then. If a liberal says, on the other hand, uh, Baker in uh, Colorado, you have offended me because you won't sell uh, cake uh, to a gay marriage, the conservatives like, those snowflakes. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a little snowflake. When they're offended. It's because they're masters of projection. So the things that they worry about, the things that they do, the things that the very acts that they engage in, they project onto other people. So when they're so worried about us not being able to handle an opinion that's different than theirs, and you're talking about folks who now will say, all institutions of higher education are liberal bastions of things that are that are that are that are hurting all of our children and training them to be liberal. Like this is they project their own insecurities mm-hmm. and their own inability to see varying points of view onto those folks who challenge it. I, I liken it to if I am I am very very clear about the fact that if I am the one who brings up the race card, then I will be accused of being racist. Now I can have a I can have a dissertation in here on what the definition of prejudice is, what the definition of bias is, what the definition of of racism is. And racism structurally in and of itself is about power. It's about prejudice, bias plus power. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult for people who don't have power. <laughs> Like you can't like I can say I don't like white people all day, but I can't stop white people from getting into the school. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but there's somebody on admissions boards I don't like black people all day, and I can stop you yeah. from getting that job. There's institutionalized things that happen as a result of that. So when, whenever we talk about this, those very hard fissures of of race and racism and structural inequities that have that have persisted for years and years and years it's always the ones who are the most uncomfortable with seeing it in themselves Mm -hmm. who cannot ever bear to be confronted with the fact 
that this doesn't bother them. Mm-hmm. And we, Terry and I just said that in the hallway. Like, there's something about our society with all these kids now having anxiety and everybody's really anxious. And we should, we should be, cons- if you see all this stuff that's happening across this country right now and you're not anxious, yeah. then I'm worried about you. Mm-hmm. You should be concerned about a lot of this stuff that's happening right now. Uh, and I know that it, we, in 2019, I'm 46 years old. And I am afraid of the fact that people don't seem to be concerned at all with the very real historical realities of this country and what we struggle with. And so that so that it makes it it puts it in a point where we're not allowed to talk about it. That is more scary to me than than um, the folks who always felt that way and just didn't say it out loud. Uh, Terry Cosgrove, when you listen to Toy there, what are the things that uh, breed anxiety in you that we're facing right now right. in this country? Well, first of all, I have nothing to add what, to what Toy said. She articulated perfectly what the situation is. But I, what I'll add to it is when you were talking, where I thought you were going was saying how the right wing has expelled everyone from their party who doesn't tow this absolute right wing line. And it goes to, you know, Ben and I, you have talked, you and I have talked for a long time. When I started a personal pack in the 90s, we had 14 pro-choice state reps and seven pro-choice senators, and they have every single pro-choice moderate Republican has been driven from that party over this ideology of holding everyone to um, a strict right-wing, anti-choice, anti-woman, anti-gay, to a certain extent, racist ideology that they that now Trump just um, holds as their um, as their standard ideology. So for them to talk about um, Confederate Railroad or the the Confederate flag and make any of these comments whatsoever is is, is ridiculous. That's all there is to well, it. I, I, and toys for. Yeah, go ahead. And Toy's comment about projection is exactly what's going on. That I felt that my whole life when someone is complaining about someone, it's really they're they're talking about things that they themselves do. So remember that so there's nothing new under the sun. It's like that's why Shakespeare said he yeah. doth protest too much. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and I just want to say along the lines of what Terry uh, was just alluding to, we had a great interview. If I may promote a previous interview. Uh, uh, Marcy Love and Dee were in the studio from yes. Personal Pack, and uh, they are of the Republican persuasion, old school Republicans, uh, who talked about Republicans. Uh, they're the only Republicans who've ever been on my show, uh, and uh, they talked about Republican Party in the old days and how it's changed. So I urge everybody when they're done listening to this one, and after they go back and they haven't listened to Toy and Jahan from last couple weeks ago, <laughs> go back and listen. To so do they say? Right? Do they say? Well, this is what I normally hear from my Republican friends, like old school Republican friends. Yeah. They'll say, "I didn't leave the Republican Party. The Republican yes. Party left me." That's what they said. Yeah, and absolutely. it's absolutely true. Yeah, and. Um, but there's the, and I mean, just to I know you had Marcy and Dion, but it's, I think it's important for your listeners to understand is that the, the the push for the Equal Rights Amendment was led in large measure by Betty Ford, and that um, the Republican Party was pro-choice. That Barry Goldwater, there is a health center in Arizona called the Barry Goldwater Reproductive Health Center because he stood up for and there and that the. the George Bush sponsored the the very first markers for Planned Planned Parenthood Parenthood with George Bush, (laughs) Congressperson and a Republican president. Uh, Nixon signed it along with the EPA, too. So this party has gone so crazy. So remember when you so like you bring those those things up. So when I think about um, people using highly racialized language to talk about reproductive, you know, my 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 ability to control my own body. And I remember hearing people, like they'll say things, they use highly charged racial language. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna tie this to the problem with what happened in Alabama and, and the criminalization of the abortion procedure, of access to reproductive care, to doctors, provide, to doctors providing any of, you know, any of these services. The problem with the criminalization of these procedures gets tenfold and intersects with who they think are criminals. So if you think, you know, black people tend to be more criminally minded. That's how you can have a situation where a young woman gets in a fight, is pregnant, she's the one shot, but the gun laws are stronger. The gun laws are stronger in that state than the laws protecting her own, the, the protection of her and that fetus. Let's, let's just break, break it down a little bit. to me. Because I've talked about this on the show, this particular case, uh, Toy, but let's give people a little more specifics in case you're listening to this show for the first time and don't know the specifics of the case. Uh, do, do you know the, elaborate yeah, a little we, more? Go ahead. 
So, as I understand it, it was a two when two young women got into an altercation over a man. Which is, by the way, starting off number one, right. really stupid. Right. But go ahead. But they got into an altercation yeah. over a man. Um, and I believe what they said was that the the woman who was pregnant was the one that started the fight mm-hmm. in the first place. The one that she was fighting with pulled out a gun, shot her in the stomach. Mm-hmm. The fetus died. The person who shot the gun was not indicted. The person who started the fight was indicted. And uh, by the, the pregnant way, ob- woman, the, the, the pregnant, pregnant woman, woman, obviously, yeah. just to make the point, did not die. The right, fetus right. died, but the, the pregnant woman, pregnant did, not woman die. did not die. Yeah. So there are so many things wrong with that. Uh, so many. <laughs> so I mean, many things wrong with that. Yeah. It's like if that you could teach a whole course on just that case mm-hmm. and the intersection and the and, and the intersection of race and class and criminal justice and the court systems um, and how it impacts these folks primarily right now in southern states, but you know still across the country, and and the fact that. Um, people will make these arguments. Like I've even heard the most dangerous place for a black child is in the womb or that they only put Planned Parenthoods or other, or other clinics and things like that in black neighborhoods. Cause they're really about to kill. They want to kill black babies. Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard colleagues make comments that they believe there's a conspiracy to kill black children. And so they want to come to a well, black they put builder, woman, billboards up to a black woman legislator. Right. And say, you, you, you're a mom. You should understand this. Like you should, you should hear why, why I really believe that this is the thing. And I find it so ironic that a history that is built, this country was built on the bodies of black women used as chattel to expand its population, could not control our own bodies that are now trying to turn around and make an argument that there's another reason why you should determine what should happen to me and my life and my body. There is nothing, nothing more intrinsic to freedom than bodily autonomy. And the fact that they will elevate, elevate the um, rights and um, right, rights and, and, and things that would inure to a fetus over the fully formed person that's carrying it is, there's nothing more frightening to me than a world that would um, disavow my very existence. Mm-hmm. And, and I know, because I understand history and I understand how this country was built and I understand black women's role in that. Um, I don't have to look too far backwards to see what a world like that would be. I know what a world like that would be. Just like when I see children in cages right now, this is not the first time this country has ripped babies out of mother's arms. We did that on auction blocks for 400 years. It's not the first time. By the way, and and, uh, it's not a coincidence that this took place in Alabama and the larger context of what's going on uh, in this particular case. Right? I don't think, I ultimately think the state of Alabama pulled back and did not charge uh, the the woman with murder. Uh, But Terry, talk about the the Alabama abortion laws because there is a a larger context to all this. Right. They've basically made abortion illegal. And uh, and it, and Alabama has some of the worst um, health outcomes for pregnant women. They have one of the highest maternal deaths in the state. I mean, they do absolutely nothing. I mean, we've talked about the hypocrisy till we're blue in the face about so-called uh, caring about uh, about unborn fetuses, and then once they're born, that they the, the in fact it it correlates almost perfectly. The states that are trying to take away reproductive rights are the states that do the least to support pregnant women and women who give birth. Mm -hmm. The highest infant mortality rates, the highest maternal death rates, I mean, it just goes on. And then once they're, you know, um, they provide the least amount of support for prenatal care. Oh, but um, then say that their position is the one that protects life. Right, right, they call themselves pro-life. Life, Um, so once the child is born, then what happens to that life? Yeah. Or the fact that there's two lives we're talking about. It's not just the child's life, it's the mom's life. And for the majority of women who are in that situation, they already have children. So it's those siblings too. I mean, this is, this is all wrapped in a whole bunch of different things that go back to you know, it's significantly controlling women's bodies. And it is frightening. And we need to not be afraid to say it. And when we talk about it, like when anytime anybody brings up the term maternal mortality, and I say, yes, white women die at three times the rate of anybody else in any, any any other industrialized nation, white women die three times the rate. 
black women die at six times the rate, which means black women die in childbirth at rates like third world countries. But if I if I'm on this show and I keep saying every time I said I hate to bring it back to race, hate to bring it back to race. But it's crazy because why am I the one that's supposed to feel uncomfortable about talking about things that impact people who look like me yeah. and are factual and are factual. factual. And then yeah. someone telling me that like, well, you know. You don't have to, you, you shouldn't, you know, every time we talk to you, this is all you talk about. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, well, damn, yeah, right. <laughs> like, yeah. what's it, what's it like yeah. to live in a world where you're not allowed yeah. to talk about things or, that impact you or where you don't have to talk about it right. because you're right. not, because you're a white right. person or you're a person of privilege and, it, and, and you have the luxury, um, to not talk of, about to, it, not, not talk, talk about it. it. Yeah. I mean, that's what gets me about it is that all these people walking down the street and complaining about, you know, our wanting to talk about the real conditions in society. Right. I mean, the only people that are complaining about it are the people who aren't faced with those conditions. Well, that's that yeah. comes back down to, yeah. again, it's like, if you're not subject to what it is I'm talking to, yeah. then you don't have a right to tell me how to feel about it. Uh, right. How are you going to tell me how to and feel about that? I don't understand it. But, you know, one, one of the things I want to key in on this with uh, Alabama and then also Illinois is that this is happening all over the country. It's like every, it's it's almost daily. I can't pick up um, a newspaper. Yes, I do read physical <laughs> newspapers, but I also read stuff online. Um, but where there isn't some attack that's going on in reproductive rights. And I think it was just yesterday or the day before talking about all these small towns and communities yeah. that are now passing anti-choice laws in their, um, across the country in their communities. So my point is, is that we are in for a very, very long battle here. In other words, here. small towns uh, trying to- Saying uh, that they're, they, they, they're anti-choice and they won't allow a, uh, a doctor or an abortion provider. So they'll do provider. it through zoning laws. Yeah, they'll, they'll do it through oh, yeah. zoning. So or, in other words, if you can't open a clinic, yeah. or you use all the trap laws to make it so yeah. that it's so egregiously hard to open up a clinic, then nothing right. can operate there. Yeah. Or they're they just, can't, they don't have the power of the state so they can't pass right. a statute, but they right. can pass zoning ordinances yeah. and things so, to make it. Or they're difficult. just doing stuff that's blatantly unconstitutional, like just saying no abortion could be performed in our county. Now they can't say that today, but with another appointment to the U.S. Supreme Court, that may be that may be upheld. So my point is is that I fear that I hear from people in Illinois that. Um, complacency is our biggest enemy. I mean, the, the, the reality is for 46 solid years, the anti-abortion movement, the right wing, the anti-women's movement has not given up for one single second in their attempt to try to overturn Roe v. Wade. They, they win an election, they keep working. They lose an election, they keep working. Our side Bill Clinton gets elected. Oh, everything's fine. He appointed Ruth Bader Ginsburg to the Supreme Court. Everything's fine. Barack Obama gets elected. Oh, we don't have to do anything. So my note of caution to people today is that we are where we are today. I agree with you. We are where we are today because the right wing and the anti-gay, anti-women's movement, anti-racist, uh, you know, all of the, that amalgamation of people, and I'm not saying they overlap completely, but... They All generally right. do. They never ever give up. And our side, oh, I don't have to vote in this election. It doesn't matter. I'll, I'll go. I'll go one step and further, Terry. This is what they do. They're slick, and you know this because your good friend uh, Bruce Rauner played this game. Uh, just kidding when yeah. I said he's a good friend. But follow me. What I'm about to tell you. He's he hasn't talked to me since the 2014 election, so I could be a good friend. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just I'm sure he's going to call you any day now. What they do, the Republicans are so slick. All right. So what they do is when they're running in a state like Illinois, they'll say, come on, Terry Cosgrove and Toy Hutchinson, stop making such a big deal about it. I am not going to be I don't have a social agenda. And, I'm, you know, I'm going to let the law stay what it says. Meanwhile, when they're running in a red state, they don't play. Portions murder, doctors going to jail, you know, uh, Terry Cosgrove is the devil, blah, blah, blah. So they play it two ways. And then so you got some Republicans out in swing districts who are like, oh, you know, Bruce Rauner says, I think I'll vote for my tax cut and I'll vote that. See what I'm saying, Terry? Well, they play it two my, ways. And I agree with that. But you know what? I, I'm uncomfortable with, you know, you and I have had this conversation. Oh, Don't expect me to show up to a knife fight with a leg in a cast and an arm tied behind <laughs> my back with a toothpick and expect me to win. You know, I'm, t I, I, 
there's a certain part of me that if we're going to sit around or can complain about how slick the right wing is, we're the dumb ones because, because, and not you're dumb, but I mean, as a strategy, what happens in this country is on us. People, you know, I want to go back to our side gets complacent. And, you know, I understand it because, you know, as I tell people all the time, you know, pro-choice people have better things to do than to worry what's going on in every doctor's office and every bedroom in this yeah, country. Yeah, I don't care about anybody else's uterus. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't care about, I just, I'm not, I right, care about it, right. but I'm like, I'm not, I'm not wrapped up into <laughs> yeah. what you do, what you do in the most private places in your life. Like, exactly. I was like, they, and it's funny because they don't want, like, where government should be, like, regulating things that impact all of us. Uh, right, right. Like, banks and, and, you know, like, environment, and, yeah. 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 stuff that impacts all of us, yeah. right? right? That we, we need government involved in, in that. Yes. We need all that. But where... The most <laughs> private places you could possibly my bedroom and my doctor's office. You just might as well just wrap my little hospital gown up in the damn constitution. Yeah. This is this is uh, this is where it just let everybody in. Everybody see. Everybody can come talk about it. Everybody yeah. can, everybody has an opinion about it. And and truly, there's I'm sitting in a room with three guys right now. Yeah. There is nothing equivalent that happens to you where I get to where I get to say anything about it. Nothing right. equivalent. Nothing yeah. equivalent. Well, I get a little footnote on that. What? It's a, it's a gay guy. No, what do I get to say about that? Yeah. No, no. In your I doctor's agree. office? No, no, no. no. I'm just, <laughs> I thought you were talking about male, to, white, no. straight white male privilege. Oh, no, there's that. Yeah, but I'm just yeah. saying, for just straight, like, <laughs> what happened? Like, the fact that somebody somebody believes that they have a right no, no, I know. to tell yeah. me when and how and what advisors I should choose to deal with the most intimate things that, are, that impact me. Yeah. And then turn around and say, freedom. Like... It's well, here, freedom. Uh, uh, <laughs> like, government, stay out of my life, uh, except for in my bedroom and yeah, my doctor's by office. Way, uh, Make things great. I don't know if you right. read uh, uh, Clarence Thomas's uh, ruling, I think it was the Indiana abortion case, oh, where I, he starts talking about eugenics. See, this is... Yes. And, uh, yes. You did, uh, you did read that? I did see that. He's such a special case. He is a special case. He's a special and, case. And... Uh, you know, I'm not going to go here because I do whatever Terry tells me, but I'm not going to go launch into a discussion of the 1992 election. But I've really been struggling with this toy Hutchinson. I'm not even going to address <laughs> Terry because he's like, don't talk about it. We talk about getting bossed around, you know. Yeah, right. You talk about things that you can't do in a doctor's office. Whenever Terry comes on the show, don't right. talk, talk about, about that. this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that said, I'm going to talk about it anyway. Uh, and I've really been struggling with Bill Clinton these days in 1992, but I, you know, you know, really, like, I wish uh, the Democrats had nominated somebody other than Bill Clinton because he's just been such a, a, a just a, a lousy character uh, his his into- total life since 1992. But put that as a way I think about uh, Clarence Thomas being nominated to replace Thurgood Marshall. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is probably, uh, when I think about all the things I've lived through, I've lived a long time now, Toy Hutchinson, a lot longer than you. I've seen a lot of cr- crummy, lousy, cynical things. That may be the most, most cynical. cynical. Thing, yeah. Like, oh, they're both black guys. I know what right. I'll do. I'll or take this black guy. So, which, was this, which was exactly what it was. And and from his, from his point, he's sitting in what is quintessentially the affirmative action seat. It was referred to as Thurgood Marshall's seat. And this is somebody who does not believe in affirmative action. So Anne had the nerve to tell everybody when they were going off on, you know, like the crazy things on tops of Coke cans and the stuff he was saying to Anita Hill and all the rest of those things that were, you know, and and I'm not even gonna go back to who ran those, who ran those hearings. However, when that stuff was happening, (laughs) wait a minute, when that stuff was happening, (laughs) yeah, he turned around and said, this is a high-tech lynching. Yes, he did. All of a sudden, so he's black. This is, so when I said <laughs> yeah. masters of projection, when yeah. we do, when we are, when they are most uncomfortable about the things that they are complicit in, they will turn it around and put that on the on their opposition. And they are actually quite talented at that. Well, you, and we, on the other hand, are not. I say, on the Democratic side, you know, when we, we get polls and we don't like polls, yeah. the, what the poll says, then we say, oh... I don't think we can talk about that because the polls say, so we shouldn't talk about that. We should, we should message this in a different way because the polls didn't come out really well on that. When Republicans get a bad poll, they start walking in lockstep. They say the same damn thing. They repeat it over and over again and they commission another poll and they change the poll. 
We don't do that. All right. We don't do that. Well, let me, let's go back to a Republican tact. I don't want to go on a, a, a tangent with uh, Clinton and Clarence Thomas, although Toy Hutchinson, you and I could probably have this Clarence Thomas conversation for an hour. Maybe that'll be a whole special show. We should go teach someplace. You know what? I mean, I seriously like this is like student, like yeah, seriously, yeah. because part of the issue is like we don't want to relitigate the past and keep going on and talk. And I do think that there's a problem that we have with that. Like, as a 46 year old woman in the Democratic Party, I am tired of looking backwards. And I do know that if we are insistent on running a 2016 race or a redo of the 2016 race, Orange Man might win again. Yeah. So this is so I want to be strategic and I want to be pragmatic Fine. and I get all that. However, right, how, thank you. However. There is a danger in the fact that there are too many people who do not know or understand their history, which is why we are in the position we are in right now. Because when you don't know it and you don't understand it, you are doomed to what? Repeat it. Repeat it. Absolutely. Repeat it. Yeah. And uh, that's why things are being rolled back right, right. now. And so you. Yes. And so and Dennis says this all the time. I'm stealing his line. Uh, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Biden has uh, woke up and he's in 2019 and it's hit him in the head. And he, he, the last time he ran for anything was 2012, and he really wasn't running. He was the, the wingman. Uh, so he hasn't run in the modern era. And suddenly he's in the modern era, and he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, now, maybe he'll recover in September. We'll probably, uh, or in the next debate is July. We'll get to that. But I want to go back to another Republican tactic. And, and this has to do, I read this, uh, I read the right. Okay, I do. I do my homework. I read what the other side says. I do too. Uh, and uh, Terry's good friend John Cass of the Chicago Tribune wrote this column, uh, where he it's and I call this uh, the equivalency argument. And uh, so, uh, right wingers, Republicans, conservatives, like to equate the reproductive rights law that was passed in Illinois uh, and signed by Governor Pritzker which among other things say uh, that uh, men cannot dictate to the woman uh, whether she can have an abortion. They don't have the right to, to check off on that, which I believe, I don't even think parent, I mean, I'm, the whole parent thing, I never got that. I'm which I want to talk about. Right, we'll talk, we'll, yeah. But then they'll go, oh, see, they're over here. You know, and then you got these guys in Alabama who are, you know, and they don't even go into details usually that, but they, they draw an equivalency between a reproductive rights right. bill in Illinois with lunacy in Alabama. And I call it lunacy if right. you're gonna throw a doctor in jail for, so how do you deal with that, Terry? Well, and I, we hear that all the time. It drives me crazy when, and I hear it occasionally from legislators who say, well, there's two extremes. Yeah, there and, you go. Yeah. And I'm like, really? Really? <laughs> you mean having women being able to decide for themselves whether they'll carry a pregnancy to term is extreme? That's wow, extreme. when did we get here? And that's, because that's all we're, I mean, that that's all Roe was about. That's all we're asking. We're not asking for anything else. So I just dismiss that argument as, as just, uh, you but know, John Cass. Yeah. yeah, but right, it is a it's a narrative that's out there. Yeah. I get that, but I think the challenge is, is not to to dismiss it and you know and just not buy into it and just say that's absurd. All we're at to get back to the issue, we're saying that a woman should be able to decide for herself uh, how to handle a pregnancy and then go on with the rest of it. In the same way that I argue that. I would like to get rid of the word reproductive health care. I mean, get rid of the phrase. And the reason why is because in France and the UK and Canada, it's called health care. A woman goes to her doctor and she gets a full range of health care and an occasion that involves birth control and abortion. It's not separate. It's not. It's, it just it, is. It just is. I don't think we should call it birth control pills either. Yeah. It's just hormone therapy. Well, yeah. All right. I mean, like, there's 90 million things you can use birth control. Oh, yeah. They have nothing yeah. to do with whether or not you want to totally. have a baby. All right, so let's go back to this. Let's go back to strategy strategically. You have a, a big-time election confronting us. We'll be talking right. about this for the next year. And uh, defeating Donald Trump, taking back the Senate, perhaps, holding on to the House. Uh, and one of the strategies that the Republican Party will do to minimize the uh, impact of their insane abortion laws in Alabama and in Missouri and throughout is to equate Alabama with what went down in Illinois. That's what they're going to do. That's what the Chicago Tribune will be printing. Wait a That's, minute. What do you mean equate what happened in Alabama to what happened in Illinois? What they're going to do, that the, the, they're going to say, essentially going to make this argument that 
the the uh, right wingers in Alabama who passed the law oh, are just as extreme as, as the, extreme as, 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 oh my as, god okay. you know we're in the middle and and Donald Trump will try to do this he'll he'll try to present it as though is that yeah. you're right. the extremist and our mistake yeah. and our mistake is to argue on their get frame. on the argue on their frame <laughs> ever to get on the defensive when it comes to this argument the reality is and this is what I love the title of the Ohio bill in which I'm going to use, I'm warning every single anti-choice right-wing candidate out there, you are in favor of an 11-year-old who's raped, you uh, forcing her to carry a pregnancy to term. That is going to what's going to be in all my mail and all of my, and you know what, these people can talk about the Illinois law all they want, but we are going to hold them accountable. And this is what people are afraid to do. And I think Toy was talking about the polling a little. We, the, the mistake that we made it make is always being on the defensive about our positions. We need to be on the offensive. And dare I say that is part of the reason why pro-choice forces have been as successful as they've been in Illinois, because I refuse to be on the defensive about our views about reproductive rights. Our views are correct in a democracy. Our views are also supported by the vast majority of voters in Illinois. And I dare I say, the when we did our poll, 54% of Republicans said that they believe that abortion is a private personal decision between a woman and her doctor, and then it was 70 and 80% among independents and Democrats. So I have no apology. I'm not even gonna go there. I'm not gonna play on their territory in the way I refuse to play on the, on the ground of all the arguments against the Reproductive Health Act. I mean, it was just the right wing making up stuff. They were making up new stuff every single day in Springfield. Every time we turned around, there was a new uh, a new card they were pulling out of the hat. And I just said, well, that's not true. Let's move on to what the bill really and, Yeah, does. and it didn't matter. It didn't matter yeah. what you, as many times we were like, no, that's not in the bill. No, that's not in the bill. Nope, that's not in the bill either. I'm like, yeah. nope, no, no, yeah, like, no, nope, it doesn't. Yeah. You did, it, nope, it doesn't do that. Yeah. It just does not do that. It, that bill didn't do anything to expand abortion yeah. in this state. And the other, the other thing is, is like we see, and this is what Terry was saying a little bit earlier about how, um, and and me too. Like one, not understanding our history. Two, um, not getting the fact that there are consequences. Like elections have consequences mm-hmm. when you when you don't participate and you don't stand firm. And you, you what you get is all of these court decisions being overturned. So you got people who are not respecting, so they say settled law, this is settled law. It's not set, It's not ever settled law if your whole strategy is to stack courts across the country so that every single one of these things is designed to go through the court systems to slowly whittle away at this thing. So we can say, yes, we had a statute on the books that called for spousal consent. And yes, that was enjoined by the courts as unconstitutional. But what we're seeing is that courts are overturning precedent. Yeah. So the minute the court overturns the precedent, and Roe fails, that statute becomes live yeah. again. It's still on the books because we didn't repeal it. It's It was still on the books. The Reproductive Health Act repealed those things so that they wouldn't all of a sudden on that 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 day that I believe is coming. I mean, we used to always say, if Roe yeah. fails, if Roe fails. Well, when Roe fails, yeah. those statutes that were still on the books, no matter what happened to them in the courts, would then become live. Yeah. We needed to take them off the books. That's really all the bill did. That's what the bill did. And that was turned into a referendum on on a woman's ability to manage her life, her affairs, her body, her choices as to when, whether, how many, or if at all, she, mm-hmm. children she was gonna have. And and in a world that's like that, when you say you're not, well, you're, well, you're <laughs> in a world that's like that, I. There was a time when women could do two things. They could be a teacher, they could be a nurse. You could, you could be a stay-at-home mom. You just take care of your family. That's what you're supposed to be doing. There was a time in Illinois where there was no acknowledgement of marital rape. There was a time when I couldn't get a credit card in my own name. There was a time when I couldn't own property. There was, the, all of these times, these, this existed. And we have a generation of people who have no concept of what it's like to not to be in a situation where when you're in whatever, for whatever reason you're in the situation, you can't manage your own affairs to come out of it. And they have no idea what that's like. And I want to add. So, so you can yeah. act as though 
It's never going to fall. It's never going to fail. They'll never actually take it away. Yes, they will. Yes, they are. And yes, it's coming. I have two younger women in my office. And yesterday we actually had a conversation about the Griswold decision, which allowed married couples to access birth control in the 1960s. And they were shocked and that that existed. And so we had a long conversation Mm -hmm. about how Griswold was the foundation for, and then later single women in a, in a follow-up case, three years later, I forget the name of it. I know Griswold was the, and then married couples can have it. Yeah. Then, then it was, and then it was Roe. And then, and then on top of that was marriage equality and, and a bunch of other stuff. Cause think about that. (laughs) Just, just the concept of that. We needed to go to court to prove that just because you had sex, the penance wasn't a baby. Yeah, I know. Not, yeah, <laughs> using using pregnancy as yeah. punishment. Men could have sex yeah. for pleasure. Yeah. Women could have sex only to have a baby. Mm-hmm. And we had to go to court to be free like men yeah. are free. Like, it was, it, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. Big deal when you won. But I want to highlight one thing that's still going on in the Illinois General Assembly, which is really critical, and that is we still have on the books, Toy was right about getting rid of all these horrible statutes, but we still have one thing left on the books that I want everyone who's listening to this to be aware of because we need to do something about it immediately, and that is we have a teen endangerment law on our books, which requires any any female under the age of 18 who's looking to have an abortion that she must inform her parents of her interest in doing that and that she's going to do it. And it is a horrible law that puts the health and lives of so many young women in this state at risk. And I won't go into all the circumstances, but there's you know rape and incest and, and violence in a home and an older sibling was, th- a younger woman saw her older sibling get thrown out of the house because her parents found out she was pregnant. We have to get rid of this law. And so there is a bill pending in the Senate and the House that repeals this law. And that has to be the number one priority. So everyone that's listening, please call your state senator, your state representative and say, please repeal Illinois' parental notice of abortion law is absolutely critical uh, that we do that, particularly the horror of women traveling from the western end of Missouri or from Indiana or Kentucky, young women under the age of 18 who is li- who's living in a violent home. She's able to get on a Greyhound bus and come to Illinois to get an abortion. She puts the money together, she does all that. Maybe she comes with a friend and she gets here and then she's told, oh, we have to tell your parent when she's traveled 200 miles yeah. to do that. So it is, we have such a profound responsibility. This law is horrible, the American Medical Association opposes it, every single organization, and we need to get it done. Governor Pritzker is in favor of signing that bill that comes to his desk, so. Wait, it wasn't repealed in the last no, bill run? No, no, it was not, it was not. It was not part of the language? No, it was Was not. that an intentional strategy? To- uh, well, the problem yeah. the problem with the, with Illinois' parental notice law is that it's the, it is one anti-choice piece of um, policy that even people who believe they're pro-choice don't really have a problem with if they don't understand it. So because the name of they it don't sounds so it innocuous. That, yeah. So you have people who honestly believe that the parental notification thing stops a person from telling their parents if they want to have an abortion. The vast majority of teenagers who are in that situation tell their parents or tell their mother or tell another trusted adult. Like they, they, the vast majority of these kids do. This is a bill that endangers the kids who don't. Someone who says they think the law prevents a teenager is is willfully ignorant. So this is what they say. They stand up and they say, how dare you make it so that I can't be with my child if my child, she can't get her ears pierced (laughs) without me. She can't get a tattoo without me, but you're telling me she can go get an abortion. Here's the thing. The minute that child is pregnant, she doesn't have to tell you anything. If you're 16 years old and you get pregnant in the state of Illinois, you don't have to tell your parents anything about a decision. If you carry that bit, you don't have, now you're the mother. You don't have to say anything to anybody. You are emancipated for at that every point. other medical every decision procedure. except that. Yeah. So if if so if you were impregnated by your father or your stepfather or a relative or someone dangerous around the house, if you are homeless, if you are already sick, if you are in some situation where you don't have parental guidance and you don't have, that is what this bill, those are the lives this bill endangers. It has nothing to do with stopping a child from telling her parent that I, I need to go do so this. So why wasn't this included with the last package? 
um, the decision was made to do it separately. Yeah. Because there's too many people would vote no, and you would endanger the entire package. Essentially. That was that that was a consideration in it. But then tells it like it is. Essentially. <laughs> yeah. Keep your like, mouth shut. The strategist <laughs> said, uh, yeah. and don't talk. <laughs> uh, now you want, now you know why I got fired for that other station. He talks too much. Tells too much truth. Uh yeah. Wow. They dropped yeah. the ball. And they figure, all right, we get this thing passed now. We'll come back and get this again. Well, you know, again, let, me, let, me, again. let me drop. Let me. I'm going to push back on that a little yeah, bit, though, because ahead. at some point in time, people remember I said I want to be pragmatic and I want to get things done. Okay. So there are it literally. I don't care what the issue is. You need thirty, sixty, and one. You need thirty, sixty, and one. So there's nothing. There's a lot of things that I would like to pass, and I got to get twenty nine other people yeah. to agree with me. And in the House, I got to get fifty nine other people to agree with me, and I have to have a governor who's ready to sign it. And in that situation, in those moments, and in these times when things are that complicated and complex, I need thirty, sixty, and one. And what I got to do to get to thirty, sixty, and one? Sometimes then you're not in the merits. Now it's math. Yeah. And I need a bill signed. And uh, you sound like Michael Joseph Madigan. You got to be strategic. <laughs> All of a sudden, Toy Hutchins has left the room. Room. Uh, ben, no. I'm Michael Madigan. Have no. an apple. Uh, I, I or, can throw something or, at you right now. <laughs> or uh, as give me people something to say. <laughs> give me something to throw. Give me something to throw. <laughs> Politics is the art of the possible. Right. Uh, it's not the art of the... And I I have to say that uh, I agree with Tori. I mean, I have devoted my life to this issue, and we've accomplished a lot, and it's doing it strategically, and it's doing it in a way that... that brings us success. And All I'm right. not interested in tilting at windmills. I'm interested uh, in winning. In, in okay, winning and protecting. Enough. I love tilting at windmills. All right. Yeah. I know uh, Toy has to leave and we I could talk at least another two hours with you two guys. So before we go, yes. uh, and I know Terry is very strategic, so he's not gonna answer this question. So I'll ask Toy this question, but if Terry wants to jump in and answer it. Uh, I'm, I'm I intrigued. Uh, I am obs- obsessively following the Democratic a race for president. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you are too, but all of everybody in this room is. And I know you must have at least read about it if you didn't watch the debates. So after watching those debates, if you could rank three candidates that really intrigue you, that think that you think uh, have shown you something, that they have the potential to defeat Donald John Trump, who would those three candidates be? Toy Hutchin and Terry too. I'll answer. Okay. Yeah, well, okay. Like you that. may not like that. Right, well, go, go ahead. Toy. Go ahead, Toy. <laughs> <laughs> I I okay. I think Kamala Harris because she she knew how to go for the jugular and she did it so smoothly. I mean, so smoothly. It was it was actually a joy to watch. Not because I have like outright, you know, things against Joe Biden per se, mm-hmm. but just the skill with which she did that showed something that I think bears watching. And and I and that is an incredible thing. I think um Ooh, who's another one that I really uh, Castro was interesting I was listening Julian Castro was an interesting topic I mean a person talk, Elizabeth Warren people people get her all the time about you know she just has plans I think there's a Saturday Night Live um, skit where yeah. they're like we have a plan yeah, for that. Yeah, we have yeah. a plan and I you know and I understand there's a thing about wanting to you know tease all these things um, I'd say those and, and I don't think you can discount Joe Biden at all I, I definitely don't think you can discount him um, but I am interested in being forward thinking and I'm so I'm getting really, really irritated at a party that continually looks backwards <laughs> instead of looking forward. Um, and that's what I think that's what my heart is saying right now about the. So I'm really interested to see how those Klieg lights work as the winnowing out process yeah. happens, because I said the last time I was on this show, half these folks need to drop out. And if you live in a state with a Republican senator, you need to be running for Senate. Yeah, better because uh, right, like finish what you started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Finish what you started. Yeah. Like you seem like a really nice dude. If there was something I could say, there's a really nice dude. I need you to be a part of the of the backstop that we need on these Supreme Court appointments, yeah. on these judicial appointments, on changing the actual structural things that are going wrong with the. Uh, with the with the death with the gridlock that's happening in Congress. So if you live in a Republican state with a Republican senator and you think you cold enough to run for the U.S. president, mm-hmm. please run for the U.S. Senate yeah. so we can have a strategy that's just everybody can't be president. So I'm gonna need some of you all to fall back. 
I agree with Toy's uh, assessment. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I agree with Toy's Pressure. assessment on the Senate. But I have to say, I am so excited and happy with the debates that are going on and the number of people that are involved at this stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's forget, um, Iowa's, what, seven months away? Mm-hmm. I mean, when I Important. listen to that debate and I hear how many people are tuning in, I mean, this is the important thing, that record numbers of people are turning into the these two debates we just had. So the fact that there's so many great ideas that are being expressed, that that many people are interested and that the country is interested in what's being said, I think is a really good thing. And I'm interested in the bottom line of the ticket that can beat Donald Trump. And so I am sitting on the sidelines. I have to admit, I'm still feeling, uh, and will probably for the rest of my life, feeling really burnt about what happened with mm-hmm. Hillary in 2016. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm watching, and I'm, and but I really, I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, eventually, I think Beto will drop out and run for Senate, Hickenlooper and Colorado. I think they don't blow who, the deadline. No, yeah, no, they're, they're not they, going to. Yeah. That, no, the deadline is, no, they're not going you to. sure about that? Yeah, I'm okay. positive. I'm positive. Listen, these are, especially with Beto and, uh, and some of the other people they're young enough they i mean mayor pete is what 37 right he's a classic example run for the senate yeah yeah yeah. that guy put him at the top of the list that's a whole other conversation yeah but 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 here's what's exciting (laughs) mayor pete is exciting people julian castro is exciting people all of the i mean what what hickenlooper has done in colorado we're talking about reproductive rights i know we have to go but they he provided every single woman in colorado who wanted birth control gave birth control for free and they reduced the teenage pregnancy rate and the abortion rate by 40%. He should run for Senate. He should should run for Senate, Senate. exactly. But but all these ideas are out there and I think it's wonderful. I do agree with that. That what we're debating about, I'm much happier. We can debate about what we're debating about as opposed to what they're debating about. Elizabeth Warren has her plans and Kamala Harris uh, is talking. Mayor Pete is doing his thing and and it will winnow out. I'll tell you this right now. I'm going to answer my own question and set this up for the next time you're on. No question about it. Kamala Harris brought the game to that debate and showed me that she has what it takes to go after Donald I John totally Trump. agree. I agree okay. with that. She I'm... took down Biden. Poor guy was like, how about it? Wait, and, uh... it's not just Biden. It's what she did in the Kavanaugh hearing. It's what she did to Barr when he came in front of yeah. the... No, no, I, I think it's not just the debate. In fact, I was more impressed with what she did in the, those two circumstances. Right. I thought, And I love the juxtaposition of being in those Senate hearings yeah. and having having the chair of the hearings constantly tell her, like interrupt her time, interrupt yeah. her thing, chastise her for talking sternly or over the witness right. or any of that kind of stuff. And then watching her on the debate stage, yeah. handle it. Yeah. Because she did it Olivia Pope style, like <laughs> yeah, handled yeah. it. The only I, thing she was missing was a white hat and a white suit. She did that. <laughs> and as a, another, as a woman who sees myself in that, yeah. Go girl. Yeah. My favorite line, and then we're gonna go, yeah. is that when she I had, could talk for another hour. No, with, just, with, I know, I with, Barr, <laughs> with Barr when she asked him if anyone asked him to intervene in anything and he said, Well let me see. She goes, I'll take that as a yes and yes. moved on. I mean, I mean that was such a great moment and yeah. All right, that's Terry Cosgrove, okay. Toy Hutchinson in the studio as well. We call it the Terry and Toy Show. And or we'll the Toy be back. Terry Show. They'll be back <laughs> we, because they love talking politics, right. and I love talking politics with them. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you, Ben. Thank you. So take, much fun. Take care, everybody.